I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1975. The album is Is It Something I Said? The artist, Richard Pryor, my guest, Solomon Giorgio. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me on the show. So, why did you pick Richard Pryor? Where did you first hear Richard Pryor? Oh, I picked Richard Pryor because it's actually the only vinyl I still have. Okay. Uh, from all my comedy vinyls, um, and one that I am... Never gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember, I try to remember, I'm pretty sure that I watched uh, Silver Streak before I listened to Richard Pryor as a comedian. Mm-hmm. And then I was told, because we were fans of stand up, like when I was really young, we were like into George Carlin. Okay. And then we started just branching out from there and watching Richard Pryor movies and then finally listening to his album. We're like, okay, this, it's, it's sort of like you hear the prototype for a whole genre of comedy. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, like that's like one thing, like whenever I see a lot of comedians now, I can just be like, there, there was somebody who did this first mm-hmm. and it's Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, such a strange mix of, Storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I honestly, I, every time we talk about him, I have trouble trying to peg exactly what kind of comedian he is because he does so much of everything. Character he, work. He does crowd work, and, that, and like crowd there's work. just like there's every element that can be done, and there's an edginess to him that was brand new, mm-hmm. uh, which is insane. Uh, especially to think that all of this, like it was the '70s, so I assume mm-hmm. that there, there it's. I remember. Um, there's just the way he does things. There's a similarities amongst like all my favorite comedians, like mm-hmm. uh, like I like Bob Newhart does amazing one-sided uh, character sketches. Sure, Richard Pryor does that amazingly as yeah. well too. Yeah, uh, and he almost it's almost like a fever dream uh, the way the the rabbit hole he takes with mm-hmm. those characters. And <laughs> I know they go on so much longer than I remember too. Yeah, uh, on, on this album, uh, Mudbone. Uh, I think that was actually was that the introduction of Mudbone or was he on the I previous? believe so because at yeah. least from people I've spoken with before this is the first time they remember hearing it and kind of being, having their mind blown yeah by because it. it's an insane <laughs> first of all like he doesn't even like he starts the voice of the character but it's not even the character he's yeah. one step away and then you've managed to be Mudbone uh, with literally no like separation <laughs> Or introduction, like he goes right into it, and like so, like it's still kind of confusing if he's talking in another person or he's talking about Mudbone. But then just that story of how Mudbone left that town uh-huh. after cutting up the bottom of an outhouse <laughs> so this woman can fall through it, mm-hmm. and then becoming friends with this other guy who liked to lie about his hand, talking about big dicks, mm-hmm. and then. Out of nowhere, it turns into this insane <laughs> trip to a voodoo priestess <laughs> where she pisses in a tub and the dude's feet turn really little. And then by the end of it, he, the guy is a polar bear in a zoo with little feet. And you're like, where, how did any of this occur? And like, I can explain it and it's just hysterical. But it also helps that the joke before that was about cocaine yeah. and how he did it for 15 years. That is true. That is true. Like it, it, I love that those ideas are so inherently funny strung together that you just retelling it mm-hmm. I think would have been funny to somebody if I hadn't even heard that yet. That's an insane... Like, it just doesn't... Like, he just, just goes... I'm... Like, I, like, as a comedian, I've never... Would, I don't... I can't imagine putting that amount of trust into going down that way. Yeah. And the fact that he did, and that it works, and it works insanely well, it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he does also, he tells the big dick joke in character, in mm-hmm. the middle of still kind of telling a story. It's, right? Well, he he's telling, like, he's still Mudbone. Yeah. And it's Mudbone, like, running away from... Uh, <laughs> from whatever that situation was where uh-huh. he made a lady fall into... <laughs> fall down an outhouse uh-huh. and then he gets a job on on a on a train on trains on train tracks and has a bowl cut he becomes friends with this one guy mm-hmm. they're both lying and the thing is that the story of the big oh, yes. dicks mm. is the guy's telling a lie that's right which that's right is, okay 
I can't. <laughs> like, it's so hard to, like, connect the... Like, it's very easy to connect the dots. It's just insane to see somebody build the story like that. And yeah. it was... And there's so many elements to it, and I can't imagine just, like, out of the top of your head, like, I'm going to create this insane character uh-huh. who tells insane stories that are so... Like, it almost... Like, I almost would believe this person existed. 100%. And, 100%. Yeah, Mudbone. Like, that's... I, I think that is... Like, as much as I love all kinds of comedy, I think the, the act of setting up a character and creating a whole, like, dialogue or a sketch within where you have to just sort of, like, get lost yeah. in where you are, where you're no longer listening. It's not even stand-up anymore. Right. You're fully into what this weird world that you can't... Like, like so few people have done it at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like, one of my favorites is when Whoopi Goldberg uh, oh. does the crackhead character. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, like, Bob Newhart, every time, all of his performances where he just does the one-sided. Mm-hmm. That kind of... Like, that stuff, to me, like, is... I probably revere it the most because mm-hmm. I think it's the most untouchable for me as a stand Like, I'm like, I wish so badly <laughs> that I can garner the trust in an entire audience right to just go down this weird fucking trail cause you're okay from well I, I assume from seeing some, some of your work not mm-hmm. all of it but that you're okay with doing characters that you're familiar with enough for a bit at least to tell a joke yes. to tell a joke like when you talk about your mother and the face that I've okay. seen you do when you're talking <laughs> about your mother it's like oh shit that's so real that I I don't know that's like that's a great character moment oh, but yes. it's not a full extended no 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 piece. it's not the story through my mother's eyes right which would also. be a whole different piece altogether I imagine and that kind of like and I've seen I especially love that's like a like I love anyone who does that where it's like mm-hmm. the character is created and they drive the story yeah and that is like that is absolutely terrifying to to be like okay mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it like this I'm gonna commit to this yeah and if I can't and you can't back out of it Mm-mm. and it's and I'm just like ah, I, can, I can tr- I can barely trust myself I'm mm-hmm. not gonna trust this character that I made up to, <laughs> to guide the whole story I would like to know very much like what different people he knew that he turned into Mudbone like I wanna know if there was one dude that he primarily based it off and I don't know um, that's a tough call. I also, cause he, did he grow up in a brothel? Yep. When he was a kid? He did. And I'm just assuming, based on just how he, like, where he grew up, mm-hmm. uh, rampant drug use. Sure. Uh, and just being a keen observer of, like, human character. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's very much, uh, like, I, I, like, that's one thing, I think, like, when he first started, while he was able to replicate uh, Cosby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's just a skill he has where he just sees something in someone else and is like, I'm going to point. be able to build something entirely of my own based on this. Yeah. And I think that's like when he, especially when he stopped trying to be more like Bill Cosby and was like, I'm going to be more Richard Pryor. Yeah. So I'm just going to unleash the most insane characters out of me. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's, uh, that album is wonderful. It really is. I, I also like listening to this. For the next step, mm-hmm. in terms uh, in terms of listening to what Eddie Murphy was listening to when he yeah. does his Richard Pryor shit, because there's so much I'm like, oh my god, there's some just some ways that Richard Pryor speaks as a human that Eddie exactly. Murphy absorbed as a person. Well, it's a lot of comedians absorb that. Sure, it's it, like I can I remember watching Comic View as a kid. I'm like, that's Richard Pryor. That's mm-hmm. a Richard Pryor thing. That's a Richard Pryor thing. Like like just to, to, to the guy that created the White Voice by Black. I, yeah, right. <laughs> that is. This is my favorite. Yeah. I, will, I will give him that. Oh well, he also voice. created the, that's the that's the prototype. Mm-hmm. It's no one's really like no one's done a completely different variation. It's like the nasally hi. I'm like I'm a white person. Like, right. That's right. been the steady of every like every time a black comedian's done it. That's like that's the voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just he set the pace for that. He set the idea. And like you can definitely like with Eddie Murphy, he did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to when he did the act out as his dad at the barbecue. Uh-huh. It's a very uh-huh. similar, like, I'm going to tell you an insane story through another character who uh-huh. is absolutely crazy. And that's, like, that's definitely, Pryor's just set that set that bar so high, and it's always, like, in trying to reach it is always fun to watch. 
What's weird too is that Eddie Murphy's is clearly a lot more personal in terms mm-hmm. of like those are demons that are being worked out. Yes. <laughs> Whereas Richard Pryor's probably working out demons too, but they are through a character that he's completely separate from. Yep. Which is like, Eddie Murphy's a brilliant actor. And the only reason I bring up Eddie Murphy so much is because he's the only person that I can think of that directly references Richard Pryor. Talks about <laughs> doing him as a 15-year-old kid. And I don't know, man. Like, just to work it out in a different way, it also makes me sad that, I think we talked about this before, that Richard Pryor didn't get more opportunities to act in parts that weren't the yeah. same kind of thing. but... At the end of the day, the move his, his the movies he's done are all great. Of course, uh, of course. And oh god, I'm trying to remember what was the one where they were moving across the country. Uh oh crap, I can't. Yeah, now I'm blanking too. And it's that I think is one of the greatest things, especially he like he did slapstick and that that level of comedy really well. But my also another thing that was great about Eddie Murphy was I think he was the first person. To like directly insult Bill Cosby in the height of Bill Cosby <laughs> fame. It's so good. I think he was the only person to do it at all yeah. in the eighties because he was just like, "Yeah, Bill Cosby's on my ass, trying to tell me what to do." And then him using Richard Pryor as like, "Fuck that motherfucker!" I know like, it's that so is... good. Have a coke and a smile and shut exactly. the fuck up. <laughs> so 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 good. And no one, no one did that until. Like recently, when yeah. he, like it's required a lot of rape cases to show up before anyone bad right. Cosby. Right. But at the time, it's like, yeah, Bill Cosby shouldn't be telling black performers how to act. <laughs> and that, that was a thing he continu- would probably continue to do now. Uh, he's a big fan of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm quite aware. He's told my entire generation to pull my pan- oh, pants up. Right, right. And it's like, calm down. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> do, uh, do you... So how old were you to hear this? For the first time, where your your parents were cool with it, because it's oh, I was filthy as fuck. <laughs> it is. My parents are immigrants; they have no idea what any of this stuff means. Yeah, so okay. we were allowed to listen to whatever we wanted. Okay, uh, all right. I'm pretty sure I was eight. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> eight years old. All I right. Was, oh, I like my, I like my dad would he bought me like Rambo First Blood when I was five. <laughs> so I was there's nothing he he bought me Basic Instinct when I was ten. <laughs> Like, it wasn't one of those, like, I gotta hide things from my kids kind right, of assholes. Right. Uh, because also they didn't know what the context of the things were. They're like, oh, I was told this is a good thing. Okay. okay. And people would rec- recommend stuff to them, like, because they were adults. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh, the person at the movie store told me this would be good. Yeah. And I have no frame of reference of this being for kids or not. Right. I'm not going to really watch it. Of course. I'm going to hand it over to my child. Who's going to learn way too much, way too fast? <laughs> On some level, it's like having a substitute teacher there all the time. Exactly. That's holy shit. And it's like, oh, I didn't know they were going to do this in the movie. <laughs> At some point, did they find out? Like, once, at some point, they're like, oh, or um, do you think they know what your influences turned out to be, kind of, or no? I don't think they had a full, because I don't think they had a full grasp of exactly what we were being watched, but I also thank them. Like, I think, like, once they grasped what we were doing, they're mm-hmm. just like, well, they already saw it. Yeah. You can't right. unsee the thing. Right. They've right. already said the words. They're not going to change. It's like, okay, try to stop me, but I'm for sure the second you leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would imagine that as an eight-year-old, though, because, sure, there's... Well, was there a concept of dirty in the same way, though? If they're well, not it giving was, you that... That's the thing. is like, even as a kid, if you don't have a direct correlation to what the filthy things are, yeah. you just kind of make it up, and then you make it up in your own kid way, which is usually very innocent. Sure, sure. So... Like it, like right, like I like listening to it now. I'm like, whoa, shit, that's very homophobic. I uh-huh. should that. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's uh-huh. a faggot within ten seconds. Yes, of... he did. <laughs> and but as a kid, those things were they weren't so like prevalent as being issues. Like mm. like, oh, this isn't. There's no problem about this. Yeah. <laughs> but I. But it also, I don't think this album is the filthiest he ever did. No, no I think no, this no. is probably the most like outside of what he did in the very beginning mm-hmm. this is the most family friendly <laughs> yeah no that's probably true that's probably true the, uh, I'm trying to think there's some stuff on it obviously that doesn't necessarily age well mm-hmm. but it's it's really hard for me because I get really torn when I I'm always like way over listening for the mm-hmm. shit that's offensive because I get offended real easy well I'm I'm the same way too but you it know. depends like if, if I'm if the person released something in the last 10 years mm-hmm. and they're being an asshole after they've been told they're being an asshole, mm-hmm. 
if it's an album where I know, like it's, I it's obviously the time. I yeah. can't do nothing about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go piss on his fucking grave right. because he said faggot back in 1975. Right. Um, but it's also, it's just. There's too much entertainment that occurred before anyone had mm-hmm. <laughs> had the right had the right mind to be more decent. Yeah, uh, that I have to be like, okay, I won't. I'll watch it if it's in the, if it's within if it's within the last 15 years and mm-hmm. you're still being a piece of shit. I'm probably not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good metric to have. Yeah. It's a good and I, it's hard too because like. You want to immediate? Well, I, I say you one or me. I want to excuse it for like. I think, regardless of the fact that he's saying this awful shit, I think there's no hate in it. But obviously, simply using the word like we recognize is oh. a thing of hate, and it becomes rough. That's the thing is like for me, it's like that doesn't. It's still not a forgivable thing. No, um, but I'm. The, it's already been created, and I want to listen to the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and it's so much entertainment uh, that happened in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s where I could be like, I can never watch this because <laughs> yeah. it's literally mm-hmm. the worst. Uh, like, I like now, I, like there's there's some cases where I'm like, yeah, I can't watch this anymore. Like, I can not, I love Revenge of the Nerds as a kid, but yeah. and now I'm just whenever I watch, I'm like, that's just a rape scene, and I can't just yep. sit here and be... Yep. <laughs> Yep. So I was like, like, all right, that one can pass. But there's Revenge of the Nerds two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no rape in those. Yeah. So, that, so, so you're good. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's one of those things where it's hard to say. It's really based on your sensibilities um, and whether or not you want. And also, I don't. If somebody doesn't want to listen to it, I don't. I would not be mad at them. Sure. I totally get that. That's sure. very fair. I'm not going to sit down and like. I'm not going to go up to another gay person and just be like, hey. uh... I like it's going to be here. Are you going to be okay with it? Because it's going to happen no matter what. I'm like, no. I totally right. agree. You yeah. shouldn't listen to the thing that you feel would hurt your... Like, would you feel would be offensive and hurt you. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, however, I already heard this already. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't... Like, it's one of those things where, like, it, it no longer offends me because I was in... It, it's already associated with a good... With a good feeling. Sure. So, I'd rather just be like, all right, I'll focus on the good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's just it, too. There's so... I mean, there are elements, too, of storytelling that he's clearly doing, like, bits where I'm just like, oh, fuck, that's that just seems so misogynistic. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, like, he's still... Like, there's a bit where he talks about... It's a really funny bit about being broken up with. Yeah. And about how I'm gonna kill you. Like, he says I'm gonna kill you, but it's, a, it's not... It's in character, in character. Like, he's yeah. telling a story within also talking about himself as kind of this caricature of himself. So it's like forgivable I think in that way in that oh. you know well it's all like it's all relative mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm okay with it mm-hmm. because I can see the for, for its context but I also I can totally 100% agree with somebody else like sure. you should no I don't want to listen to this I'm like that's a good point mm-hmm. you don't have to and you shouldn't <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah. you can think that exactly about that because that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's always this... Uh, well, at least with me, because being oversensitive, I'm always afraid, should I be laughing or should I not be laughing? And I can't help it with a lot of it. But Mudbone, though, is I feel like... It's... <laughs> it's hysterical. I don't know how... And maybe it comes from him growing up in a brothel, but, like, I it's don't want to laugh It really is. Yeah. And I don't laugh at pee jokes or poo jokes, but he somehow... how did, I don't know how he does it. Well, this... It's not even... It like, makes yeah, me yeah. laugh. It's... Just the way it was just set up, like the way people set up certain kind of jokes. They're just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going for the edgiest, dirtiest thing. Mm-hmm. There, like that's a really noticeable trait. He goes for like this hyper fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just over, like over, like just this over, like strong imagination, and where he just dwells deep into his own psyche, and you're just like. Oh, you're gonna tell me a pee joke, but it's gonna be the most layered pee joke I've ever seen Absolutely. in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this p- woman's gonna piss in a tub, but you're gonna add the fact that she's a voodoo priestess <laughs> trying to make your friend's swollen feet back to back to normal size. Like in that case, yeah, throw in the pee joke. I'm perfectly content with that. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. At that point, like it's there's so much work put into it. You have to respect the shit. It's out like of one of those strong ammonia pisses. I'm like, what is this? Is the best? I it's, know. Yeah. <laughs> Is it so? And I'm sorry, you probably already said this. Is this the first Richard Pryor you listened to then after seeing him in movies? I think that I think it, I'm trying to remember my youth, and it's been a while. Uh huh. So. Uh-huh. 
uh, I, I'm pretty sure this was the first we listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Live on the Sunset Trip was after oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember listening to this and seeing Live on Sunset Trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was insane. Because I think, especially when he does the uh, joke where he, uh, where he's like, where he's, cause he, it was after he caught himself on fire. <clears> yeah. I heard what you motherfuckers been saying about me while I was gone. <laughs> and then he had a little match. Like, Look at that. That's what you're prior. I'm fine. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was... And yeah, that one I think we saw right afterwards. Um, sorry. I think that was when we saw it right afterwards. And, mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah, he just sort of became a base for uh, what I can say on stage. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, I can say whatever I want. Uh-huh. I can. Yeah. Uh, as long as there's a fucking purpose to go to that point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's nothing in here, word choice aside, uh, there's nothing here that rings false. It no. all rings as one person. Exactly. It's a very unified personality. Whether that's a character, however much Richard Pryor was a character on stage, I don't know. But like, it so rings true the whole time. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's what's so magical about it. Oh, yeah. I think there's, like, in essence, he was... Being like the fact that he talked about his own cocaine addiction, yeah, yeah. and then he just goes on to being broken up with, going to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was just trying to be like he. It's it's the most linear, non-linear album I've listened to because like it's mm-hmm. it's nothing is supposed to like lead into the other thing, but he still manages to segue perfectly between mm-hmm. all those things. It's like I don't know how he managed to do that, right? You you do, there's no centerpiece of this, but it all like uh, towards the end you're like, like you, he starts with a eulogy of <laughs> yeah. somebody we don't even know about, uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's the opener, and that shit is just crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to know also like what brought him to do that, like why it doesn't feel like a set. This doesn't feel like somebody tried this out. It, it just feels like this is some stuff that he knows works. Mm-hmm. And somehow pasted together, and not in a rude way, but like very smooth way. It's why it just doesn't feel like nobody would do a set like this I that can't, I can think of now. Like I, I can't explain it because it's stylistically all across the board. Yeah, that's why. That's why it's such a great album. That mm-hmm. there is, it's all Richard Pryor, but every style of Richard Pryor in. Uh, is it under an hour? Yeah, so like 40, 48, something like yeah. 45, I mean, something like, like that. Within uh, within 45 minutes, he's like, I'm going to show you, like, it's it's like somebody, like, showing, like, every magic trick they know. Yeah. As quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's, like, like, I've listened to his other albums, and you get more of each of his style than yeah. the others, but this one was, I think, the most compact and perfect, like, like variation of everything he can do as a comedian, mm-hmm. and it's not his first album, right? It's his second, so it was always it was almost more impressive that he's like, "This is the one that I have to fucking show you I'm the best." Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all these things. Yeah, God, that's a good point. Yeah. He, <laughs> I love that he can also do all that mm-hmm. and still be laughing at him his own exactly. shit throughout the whole thing. He oh, really yeah. loves it. That's the best part. It's and that's. And that's why this. Yeah, I actually still. It's a prize. This album's a prize to me, and I will always. It helps me out a lot because mm-hmm. it it does the elements that it does have, and because there's just now there's just comedies comedy albums that I listen to that trigger something in me, and this one will always trigger something that will that I want to develop in myself. Okay. Yeah. So that's. That's why, yeah, it's absolutely perfect. I'm, I'm going to keep just talking about how perfect it is. That's, <laughs> so no, that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad this has come up again. Yeah. I don't know why it hasn't come up come up more. Is there anything on it that, ha- well, I hate, I don't like using the word influence. Because this stuff t- kind of creates a bed of just like, this is the stuff you build your own stuff on. But I mean, is there something specific about Richard Pryor that has leaked its way into your act? Oh, of course. Um, he... He has a stage presence that I try my best, like I don't intentionally emulate, uh, but he he doesn't move too much on stage. Right. And I'm like at first I didn't move at all. 
mm-hmm. um, and then I, I I started moving a little bit, but then I also realized, and I started, and at one point I was like moving too much because I was trying to figure out what to do, and him and his stage persona and how he stays within the small realm and just got like gains the audience attention through small movements here and there okay while telling these outlandish stories like that is like that's always gonna be a big influence on me i want to not move too much and have everyone be drawn to where i am yeah and i and it's like that's that is one thing that will always influence me is just him where he places himself where he holds firm and how he says things just the way he like he has quite possibly the best timing mm-hmm. like that's just what he does like he he takes a moment like you can like you can see his face react to every word he's saying mm-hmm. which like I, I've been forming long enough where I've gone on autopilot yeah and that's like that's one of those things where like no Richard Pryor wouldn't do this. What the fuck are you doing? Right. You should be in the moment all the time. Yeah. And he, that's, that's what he did, especially God. with this. It's so present and so in the moment and so direct at how he, how he does this set. And it's, yeah, that's always going to keep being influenced on me. How the hell do you do that though? When it's, because the idea is keep it fresh, but it's not fresh anymore. So what is the mindset for you? Because that's an acting exercise. No doubt about it. But it's also, it's uh, being aware of where you are. Okay. He, he still, like, those jokes were probably not new to him, but he, he was very aware of where he was. Mm-hmm. He was aware of the audience. He did crowd work on the album. Yeah. Um, he asked for water in his <laughs> album. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that should always be known as, too, because that's, because that's, like, that's something that I learned when I was recording my album, uh, and I was just up there, I was like, who cares if you flood the recording? It's more important that this audience is like interacting with you sure. and you guys are in the same space and you guys are being and like those like I didn't have a joke that was under six months old, so mm-hmm. I've told it a lot. Yeah. And it was just learning it's like I'm in a new space. These are new people. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. And I have to convince them that I'm funny. Yeah. So it's like every once in a while there is that time where I'm like I clock out, and then it's just like, wait, look around you. Mm-hmm. Where are you? <laughs> Be here right now. Yeah, and that is yeah, that's something that I should definitely not try to take advantage of. Is that I get to do this all the time? Sure, sure, of course. So it's it's sort of um, it's just kind of the trick is just to to look <laughs> at mm. where you're at, and looking at the audience always helps. Yeah, I think that's always the benefit of like is just like. Everyone, so I'm just like, there you are. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have no idea who you are. Right, but here you are looking at me. Yeah, so I better, and you you can't talk, so I gotta make sure you're entertained enough to be quiet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and laugh. God, so that's just it's a matter of reengaging with your own stuff every time, mm-hmm. and the way of doing that is finding. One assumes you've got a fresh audience every time, oh, yeah. so that's your and you're and it's still like regardless, like we as people, when we ever tell, like when we tell stories, when we have a good story and something just happened to us, we tell it for over and over and mm-hmm. over again, and we get a new and it's like the second we meet a new, see another another person that we haven't told that story to, we're like, oh man, <laughs> I could tell you this story. I look right. forward to it because it's a new audience member. So I think it's an like it's a thing we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. Uh, with stand-up comedy, you just have to do it every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Fuck. the it's, but there's also there's just ways to just like I would throw I would I step on a joke just so I can make people make myself exist and make another person be a part of the world. Like it's it's just it's that's one thing that I'm pretty sure he did, which is make each one of his sets special. So mm-hmm. I and I should make sure I do that as well. Yeah. Do you? have a desire to branch out and do that kind of character work or is that not ever going to be you as far as you can tell? Um, I'm not going to risk it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I've tried several times. Okay. Uh, and some things like built up here and there. But on average, like I'm not going to force a joke mm-hmm. that isn't working. Yeah. Uh, but if one does one day, I'm definitely gonna go, but 
I'm I'm now at a place where I just recorded an album. I don't. I'm having to develop new material, and I'm being self-conscious of everything I write. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I might try it, and I might let it fail, and I might try it again, and it fail again. But it's the best I can do. Yeah, is keep trying until it works. You know, one of the things that, too that strikes me about something like this is like he's at a point in his life where. Not only has he been dealing with addiction, but he can afford cocaine. He's doing good. He's doing really well oh, yeah. right now. And that often can kill any charm somebody has, and like you're you're not interested. Oh yeah. I don't get it. I don't get how he moves past that too. Why he like people are so fucking drawn. There's not a moment there's not an empty moment on this album. I think it's because like even at his like even in his worst condition, mm-hmm. he was still charming. Yeah. Like even when MS like built his body, there was every every public appearance he did, when he was barely able to say any words, yeah. he was still one of the most powerful things mm-hmm. in a room. It mm-hmm. was I think he I don't think he intended it to be that way. He's sure. just I think there's a part of him that whenever he's presented, he's just like, I have to perform. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that might have been how he survived, which is just if you every any group situation he's put is like if I don't entertain everyone in here, uh, is I'm gonna get hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and yeah, he's like he's he's especially like I think that's just who he is. It's mm-hmm. just regardless of how many drugs you pump in him, mm-hmm. he's never gonna not be entertained. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how many times he set himself on fire, right. he's right. incapable of. Of like, there's a part of his brain that he he will not get rid of. I think, and that I think, there's a part of stand-up comedy that's a little bit fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way we fight is just be like, all right, this is how you're not going to kill me. I'm going to make you laugh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think his his was heightened and sharpened to almost like a weapon, yeah. where he can, where he's like. I remember seeing him too, even after the MS had clearly hit, like and. When he could still speak, because mm-hmm. I know there's some point where it just there was no point. But when he could still speak, your timing's going to be off. But he still knew his own timing to the point where he could still be fun, mm-hmm. like that, funny and charming. And I, that's that's also like just this. Again, it could just be this like strength that he had, this inner strength, his whole life. Mm-hmm. It's insane to me. You, yeah, you 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 would hope that you would at least you would also be fighting from the inside if you had that happen to yourself. It's yeah. But I'm also a very lazy person, so <laughs> I'm I see I see that in him, and I'm like, oh, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I would just rest. I would be so tired. <laughs> a blanket, some tea. That yeah. would be me. Yeah. Oh my god. Did you? Were you then? I mean, I'm I'm assuming then listening to this, you become a bigger fan. Was it just like wait for the next thing to come out, see his other movies? Did you move on to his other albums a lot? Did you listen to his other? Stuff? Um, I did listen to his other albums. Um. This is probably the one that I listen to consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, other albums wise, I'm I'm probably can't reference as much as sure. I can with this one. Um, and this one, because uh, I didn't have, the, I I sold all my vinyls before. A mm-hmm. friend of mine just intent like gave this to me as a present, mm-hmm. and didn't know it was my favorite album. That's amazing. <laughs> Love it. And uh, and so it's like it's one of those things where I'm I'm. This is one of the few albums that I'm actually capable of uh, re-saying things from. Okay. Because um, even though I love comedy and I love listening to the albums, I'm actually terrible at retelling jokes from mm-hmm. comedians, uh, and which is a terrible, terrible uh, <laughs> skill set. Like it's a good, like it's it's good to be able to tell other people's jokes well, but I can't well, for right. some weird reason. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but that one, this one is, I think, one of the only like the five albums that I can do that with. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, but I mean, I know some people, actors as well, learn it repeating movies or whatever. I mean, it's something I do. And other stand-ups, exactly what you're talking about. So where did you learn the skill then if you weren't repeating necessarily to like your, your buddies? Um, well, it's not, it was mostly, it's, it was understanding uh, cadence and joke building is the, the, was the thing that I, like writing a joke and figuring it out. And hearing the parts that work, mm-hmm. that's the part that I definitely, that's where, like, it, like I, I saw the skill. Okay. And it's, it's one of those things where you, you can see what a perfect joke is and you can see how much you want to get to that point. Yeah. And, and how, what, like, 
I was yeah, I was very lucky to be very good at editing, mm-hmm. and that's where I want to always be good at. Where I can constantly edit, and I can always see where things can be better or become better. Or, but yeah, I, like but retelling jokes, that was always just like a fuck. <laughs> like, guys, I know. I think I can hold on. I think I know what it is. Give me a second. And then he said, "Ah, fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I've tried so. Like I've ruined so many jokes from so many wonderful comedians over the years trying to retell them." <laughs> Um, but I do like that you saw, you immediately saw the algorithm for jokes. Like it just mm-hmm. became a thing that that's how your brain seemed to process it. And it made sense to you. Well, because yeah, I was very unfunny my entire life. So that's <laughs> the thing that made sense was just like, Oh, how you present things and how you say things are just as valuable to comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I listen hard enough, I can see a way I can present things to be like, oh, this is the funny part now. Yeah. This is the part you should be laughing at. Right. Do you get it? All right. We're good. <laughs> uh, and like that, it's almost, because for me, it's like it's like listening to music. Like mm-hmm. when you hear just that, that beautiful buildup, that nice tension, and then just that landing of a perfect, perfect punchline followed by a stronger tag. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, this is... This is just this is a symphony. Mm-hmm. I'm watching, I'm watching a composer orchestrate an amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's, uh, it's, I, I might yeah, I might not be able to retell it, but I can definitely see see it and appreciate it and uh, try to find a way to mimic it in my own style. Yep, that makes sense. Do you does it make you very picky when you're watching other comedy? Um, honestly, like it's. I don't think I'm that selective. Okay. Um, and I do... I like personalities a lot. And that's... And a lot of, like... A lot of stand-up comedians have amazing personalities. So it's one of those things where... I I still appreciate... Regardless of whether or not I'm like... Oh, I'm not going to remember this joke. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that great. There's just... I've seen... Like... Like every comedian has an ability that I have seen that I'm just like... I wish I could do that too. Mm-hmm. Or I wish I had that able... Like... And and so that's so it's like it's, it's so I don't think I'm particularly picky. I think I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard for me to like the ones that I do go back to the most. That's probably where I'm the most selective. Okay, it's like I'm happy to watch everything once. Mm-hmm. But if you want to me come back, like there's that's where I'm definitely picky. Okay, no, that makes sense. No, that's that's good because I mean you 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 catalog the stuff that is going to be of use to you. Yeah. You said that there are maybe five albums you can do that with. What are the other albums that you, you um, mostly got memorized? Well, one just was added was Ali Wong's uh, Baby Cobra. Yeah. Uh, that, I think, is one of the best things I've seen in the last 15 years. I need to see that. I haven't uh, seen it, it is wonderful. Um, uh, Dave Chappelle killing, uh, killing Us Softly. Okay. Um, Margaret Cho, Notorious CHO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Oh, this is going to be a tough one. It's probably going to be Eddie Murphy Raw. Yeah. And Delirious. Those two. Those are fucking ridiculous. I've, I can go back and forth within my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, problematic uh, up top. Absolutely. <laughs> <On both ends. laughs> Absolutely. That's like the one, that's the thing that you have to address every time when you start that album. Like, if, if we ever talk about it again on the yeah. show, I just have to every time and then just try to move the fuck on. <laughs> it's just so perfect. It's problematic, but it is. it is still... A fucking great comedy album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those are the kind of, like, I can revisit those and see a style. I can see, mm-hmm. it's, like, there's just a point in a comedian where they just, their voice resonates so well and so strong. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, yeah, it's, like, that's, like, listening to your favorite song over and over again for the rest of your life. It's, like, it's exactly like that for me. Yeah. It's, like you were able to do something so perfectly <laughs> through this yeah. time that I have to revisit it and make sure I absorb it and see what I can do in my own set that can be close to that. Yeah. I just I just always hate that he's 21 when he did that first album. Oh, it's, that fucking drives me It makes nuts. me even... I love that even better. The fact that he was 19 on SNL and was the only reason the show was still on the air. Right. <laughs> right. I don't get it. I mean, I get it. Like, I get it. I'm... He's magnetic as fuck. Like yeah. he's the most magnetic person. He's, he was also the same. I think 
I think Richard Pryor would have been famous at his age too. Sure. If there was that, if there was a Richard Pryor before Richard Pryor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what happened was uh, Eddie Murphy started so young, and he had the uh, benefit of having Richard Pryor set the pace, like of yeah. of, uh, of black comedy being like, this is how relevant this is, this is how edgy this is, this is how awesome this is. Mm-hmm. So when people were out there looking, they saw Eddie Murphy, and then they're like, oh shit, there's more comedy like this that we can grasp onto and mm-hmm. they did and I think I think that was a great thing because like Eddie Murphy did ha- ha- like has similarities to Richard Pryor but he also has a fantastic uh, set of skills that are all, all his own that sure. are just like just impressions that I cannot even I imagine I don't I don't get it I, that is insane to me. I'm assuming that's also another set of skills that he needed to fucking survive with. It's like, yeah, I, probably. Look at this thing that I can fucking get out of mm-hmm. trouble with. That and and just he for me the level of art on those albums, if only because again what I was talking about earlier, he pulls so much darkness from his childhood. Oh, yeah. That's like it's you almost want to cry. It's so upsetting, but he's making it so funny you can't but laugh. And it's also like it's the most lowbrow, high concept. Absolutely, work. yeah. It's it's like you're you're fucking trying to you're grabbing the low hanging fruit to get the high fucking <laughs> yeah like, to chuck up and to get the fruit that's up on top. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's really it's fucking bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and he somehow manages to charm you. Because well, number of reasons. He's magnetic, very good looking, wearing what I guess was a super sexy outfit in, in the eighties. I think it's I'm still a sexy outfit now. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. It, it's just it so just weird. depends on who wears it. It's That's true. Really... That's true. I mean, he does he does carry it well, uh, but he's also I forgot my point because I was talking thinking about sexy Eddie Murphy. I don't remember what he's talking what I was talking about. But either way, he's just so damn magnetic, and uh, I don't know those. Uh, he can tell just about anything, and I, I think. Um, back to the impressions thing. That's a that's a weird skill because normally that's something at that point. Well, maybe not yet. Was it associated with hat comics yet? Because I don't no. mind impressions personally. But it I don't. Like here's the thing: is that impressions aren't easy. No, it's not a skill that any of us can do. Um, and it's obviously like looked down upon because like oh, it's just this look at this natural thing you learn to do. It's like it's still. Like, that's something you work on since you were a kid. Of course, yeah. That's some, And it's one of those things where, it's, where I think it's still a great skill set. Yeah. Um, but anybody can do bad comedy with a great skill set. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. That makes sense. I think the issue that we don't... Like, I don't think it's hack. I think we all have a problem with bad comedy. Mm-hmm. And bad comedy is bad comedy on its own. It doesn't matter if you throw a guitar onto it, if you throw mm-hmm. a ukulele on it, if you add impressions to it. Like, bad comedy is something that will always be bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um it shouldn't be the elements <laughs> right. that are added to it. Uh, but it's like, when somebody does something so well, other people are going to attempt to do it. Of course. And they're not going to be as good as the one person that just did it so fantastically. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to try and finally find something of their own that's mm-hmm. just as good. Yeah. So, I don't, like, I don't mind impressions. I, I just don't like it when somebody's like, here's, here's a not funny joke with yeah. an impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That impression had nothing to do with it. It was the person telling the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one... I mean, I personally like impressions just fine. Uh, I do have one album that is almost entirely impressions. That is Frank Welker, voice of Frank Freddie from Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, that is it. I mean, it's like 1988, so it's the height of this being a thing. And so all 45 minutes... That's impressive, though, to carry oh, yeah. impressions the whole time. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And... It's like that, like, but it like it depends, like, who does it again? Like yeah. Pablo Francisco is the one that people mm-hmm. don't like. I'm like, but yeah, it's just because he didn't write a joke. Mm-hmm. He just can do the impression, <laughs> right. right? Right, right, and it's great. Yeah, it's fine. But if you're just like, I want you to say something, but it's it's not. But like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's just an impression. Mm-hmm. But it has, it has him. It's him just not writing the joke. Yeah, I you know sometimes when I interview stand-ups because I'm not a stand-up myself. I think that's fairly obvious. Uh, when I interview stand-ups, I do. I am always curious if the, if there is an ethos behind what you do, or if you are just let's be as funny as possible, or is there something beyond it? Do um, I? For me, there is. Uh, I do. Ha- I hold myself up to certain rules uh, 
just as a as a gay black performer, I just mm-hmm. want to uh, I want to make sure that what I do uh, amplifies those two aspects of who I am, okay, uh, and makes the world better for them. And I can do whatever I can to make sure I don't hurt anyone yeah. <laughs> of those in those two communities. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, I do want to make people laugh, but I do want to make them laugh a certain kind of way. Um, okay. I definitely like it's, and it's definitely it's it's not any harder or easier any harder or easier than any kind of comedy. It's sure. really if you have a certain mindset, you'll the jokes will come to you, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes they don't. But sometimes I figure them out and they click together, and I'm like, oh. I can talk about a thing that I want to talk about that's important mm-hmm. to me. That's not gonna. <laughs> that's not gonna take down uh, a disenfranchised group. Sure. Uh, but when I first started, when I didn't know any better, and I was 25 years old with a mic, yeah, I definitely thought like, "Funny is funny, no matter what." And yeah, I should have. Somebody should have told me not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard. It's impossible to tell somebody with a strong head, and most comedians are. Yeah. That you shouldn't do this, and you have to learn that through process of elimination. Of I course, say. there is that, but I also, I had the benefit of not having Facebook or Twitter exist when I first started. Sure. So, I haven't had to deal with uh, uh, any, uh, that kind of outrage, uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I think it's perfectly okay. If you say something into a microphone and somebody else catches it, you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Sure. Um, so my recommendation is don't record your first five years of comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got that. Yeah. You know what that, that makes? That makes a hell of a lot of sense. Do you, do you find, is it always necessary for you? Because it, I think it's rare. I think some people do want, as a stand-up, I would like you to accept me for who I am, but I'm not necessarily going to front-load the information about who I am 100%. Do you have to front-load everything that you want people to identify with or understand or... Um, it's because I, even though I'm a decade in, I'm still considered a, a newer comic. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that works. Sure. Um, and no one, I'm not famous. I'm not extremely popular yet. So it's, it's really, it depends on how I feel also. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do kind of make it my job, uh, every once in a while to be like, this is what I am. This is what I do. This is me. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of like an introduction to people. Like, I know a lot of artists aren't familiar with who I am, what I've done in the past. Sure. So, so you, in, in order to get to that, to people laughing at you, you have to get them, a, you have to get a familiarity with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of just front loading who you are. Yeah. Which is not a problem. Sure. Uh, but essentially, I think there will be a point where I, I won't find it necessary mm-hmm. uh, if, if, I, if I have a steady enough fan base. That keeps showing up. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm gay, right? Let's not let's not talk about it like I just <laughs> like mm-hmm. you need to you need to learn that about me again, right, right, right. And then at that point, is that going to be the point too? When where when people write about you, one hopes it's no longer necessary to mention. Where it's just again also taken. I'm. It's gonna. Here, that's the thing is that I'm not gonna give the responsibility. Like I like. My the responsibility of my story won't be to what those what people decide to write about me. It's perfectly fine if they decide to, um, and I've just learned that it's that I have a format where I can uh, I can create my own narrative and I have my own way of saying what I want to say about myself. Mm-hmm. So if anybody else decides to mention anything about me, that's perfectly fine. But I have the opportunity to be who I am and constantly explain who I am okay so it's perfectly fine if somebody's like he's a gay black comedian mm-hmm. I, I am sure that's never gonna stop I'm never gonna stop being that right right yeah. and if they decide to keep mentioning it so be it sure uh, but I think essentially it won't be a thing that needs to be mentioned again mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not gonna hold my breath for now <laughs> right and the bonus to being a stand up I guess is that the narrative is yours to construct as much as you want exactly and the jokes are yours to tell, so you get to tell them the right way. Teach people how exactly. to think, in a way, about mm-hmm. it, right? I mean, I hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's the hope. Uh, that's, God, it, it's just a lot of work. And so I, 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 bear, I admire any stand-up, but like, there's uh-huh. just kind of work. It blows my mind. It's not I'm... that terrifying. Once, once you <laughs> have the, uh, the need for attention, it really uh-huh. just becomes easier. <laughs> well, I'm an actor, so I get that yeah, part. But see? the rest of it, like, the actual stand-up part of it, like, nope. 
Nope. Hurts my brain. Oh, it's not that scary I, once you get into the rhythm. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's one of those, it's a 10,000 hour thing. It's mm-hmm. just the way it does. Like, everything's going to look more difficult. It's, if you try to get me to do anything else but stand-up comedy, I would have a much harder time. Sure, sure. Uh, because this is the thing that I'm dedicated my most of my hours to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've uh, memorized. Mm-hmm. I love that you've memorized this. That makes me very happy. That this is like that important to you, <laughs> and also like is in now in your blood. Like, yeah, that's so fucking great. Um, okay, so what's a good reason to listen to this album if somebody's never heard it? Let's say there are people who don't know much about Richard Pryor, or they do but they don't know his albums. What's a good reason to listen? To this? Um, this one is my all, like my main recommendation because it's stylistically the most like again just all like every ability he has as a comedian he throws down on this album. Mm-hmm. And if you it's like if you have no no comprehension of who he is and you try to just jump into something else. I think I don't. I think you miss the element of how he introduces himself in this album, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's also where you can like, if you want to be a diehard fan of Richard Pryor, this album is sort of the one that will set the tone, okay, and make every album just way more pal- palatable than <laughs> than just going in. I'm just gonna listen to the okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> to Live on Sunset, and I'll get it. I'm like, no, you're 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 hopping into a, a movie. Like you're, you're starting. They're starting to watch. Uh, like starting to watch Star Wars with Episode One. It's yeah, yeah, just yeah, Like yeah. a fucking terrible way to mm-hmm. watch, even though it's the first one. It's yeah. <laughs> a really good yeah. point. Um, this will actually not next. No, it might come out next week. This episode will come out next week. Nice. What do you have to promote? Where can people find you? Um. All right, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly my schedule, which is <laughs> not my another thing that I can't retain uh-huh. in my head as well. Um, well, this weekend, okay, so next week I will be in Los Angeles, and then I'm going to be going to. I'll actually be at Florida State University on. Sorry, I'm blowing <laughs> out my calendar. I'm not it's gonna, okay. I'm assuming that I know my own schedule, but that is an absolute lie. Um, in the meantime, uh, though, on Twitter, are you at Solomon Giorgio? Yes. Uh, if you, yeah, the best thing to do is go to my website at thesolomongiorgio.com, uh, and I, all my shows are up there mm-hmm. on a calendar, so you can tell me what I'm doing, because I forgot <laughs> completely. <laughs> I didn't mean to stop you from actually playing it up. Oh, no, no, no. It's, like, it's a couple weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. You guys have plenty of time to check out the website. All right, right, right. right. Uh, on Twitter, are you at? At Solomon Georgia. Okay, okay good. No other Solomon Georgia. There's one in the UK, but he doesn't count. That motherfucker. I don't even know if he's real, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, you guys can check out my Comedy Album a Day video thing that I'm doing where I'm trying to listen to a Comedy Album a Day for the whole damn year. And go to bit.ly forward slash Celery Sound uh, to go to Celery Sound Records, which is my little sketch comedy album uh, label. That is it. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. 